1989, CNN's Ted Turner called his Vice President of Environmental Policy to his office. Captain Planet, he said. And, um, what would that be, Ted? She replied. Well, that's your job. We are the Deep Geeks, and this is Captain Planet. I'm Mark, this is Avery, and by your powers combined, we are the Deep Geeks. <laughs> it's not quite as, um, as flash sounding, is it? No, no. I mean, old Ted definitely came up with a more catchy name. Than... Yeah. Yeah. But yes, as usual, we are the Deep Geeks. We are a podcast that looks into Deke shows, and this week, because it is Earth Day today, apparently... Was it Earth Day? Yeah. It is Was Earth- it Earth Day? <laughs> <laughs> you can really tell we don't record these on the day, folks. <laughs> but yes, because it's Earth Day, uh, we are looking at the rather important and influential uh, 1990s to 1996 series Captain Planet or at least the first half of it which was produced by Deke yeah finally this is one that I can say I actually grew up watching oh good did you (laughs) I don't have anything to say do you not because I mean this one's one that's been in syndication for the last 18 years not on any of the channels that I uh, grew up with. Fair. I grew up with the main terrestrial ones, mate. Well, it's also not widescreen, so it's probably not um, getting shown on major channels anymore. Well, I mean, it was before widescreen had really picked up, wasn't Precisely. it? Precisely. It would have been, been just on the peak of like widescreen becoming an actual consumer available device. No. Okay. <laughs> well, that shows what I know. More, I'll just go. Goodbye. More like an entire decade before. Alright, well, fine, Mr. Fucking Fancy Pants. Uh, Look at you with some fucking walking Wikipedia science knowledge bugger over here. Well, certainly in the UK, um, widescreen only came over with uh, probably on digital. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. It probably did come with on digital. So, on digital. I remember, um, I remember Jeremy Clarkson... Uh, doing a his weird talk show that he did before he did um, uh, Top Gear, mm. uh, where he had a gag about how widescreen was superior because uh, on the normal television you can't see the two ladies stripping on either side of the screen. Right. Yeah, that's a very Clarkson gag. That's yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I actually watched this one as a kid. This is something that was on my radar. Well done. Uh, I'm assuming you know about it through sheer cultural osmosis. Um, I think the first sighting or knowledge I ever had of seeing Captain Planet was um, 
Oh god, it was an old uh, stream by a Let's Player group, and they were just going through random NES games on their Wii emulator, and they stumbled onto the Captain Planet game. Ha! Huh. So basically, for you, Captain Planet is what Awesome Possum kicks Dr. Machino's butt is for me. Just this random bit of 90s ephemera that makes no sense. Sort of, yeah. Except I mean, that you've now seen a cartoon, whereas Awesome Possum was... Yeah, well, I mean, it also helps that the Let's Play group in particular actually also had the childhood memories of Captain ah. Planet as well. So they went all out and even imitated Gaia's voice in the cutscenes for the game. <laughs> the planet is dying, planet <laughs> Like, it was proper, like, it was really good. Yeah, that sounds so, about yeah. right. The game is shit, by the way. It's not a good game. Well, that's about fitting. No, no, this is an okay cartoon. We've seen a lot worse, um, we've seen a lot better, it's slap bang in the middle. But that's a thing we will discuss later. Um, We should probably talk about the cartoon itself. Okay. Shall we go straight into the history? I mean, do you not want to input some more childhood memorabilia here? It was a thing that was on television. I occasionally watched it. I like it. You make all this big deal because it's like, wow, a cartoon finally, which I actually grew up with and I can input in it. And all you have to input is, it was a cartoon. I am aware of this from my childhood. I saw more episodes of this than I did of Super Duper Sumos. It's enough jabs about my childhood, thank you. My poor, poor childhood. Listen, you fucker, I had the worst witch. That was the best goddamn show, right? Yeah, I also had the worst witch. The worst, the worst witch, witch was went, ace. The I worst witch went on for well over a decade. So good. God, she must have been so old by the end of it. Yeah. Well, then again, there's multiple worst witches. Yeah, that's so, true. you know. There's a new one on that's now going on right now. In fact, I had the 90s worst witch with Tim Curry as the leader of the wizards. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not sure which one that would be. That might be the same one as mine because they might might have. Uh, they probably it. did. They were they were really good. It would have been it would have been like around the early 2000s. Yeah. So I digress. So let's go on to the history. In 1980, Ted Turner met Barbara Pyle when she was photographing the America's Cup for Time magazine. Impressed with her media savvy and commitment to environmental issues, Turner hired her as Vice President of Environmental Policy at TBS, where she oversaw environmental programming at TBS and CNN, and champions corporate social responsibilities policies pushing for energy efficiency, recycling and carpooling. Nine years later, Turner called Pyle to his office. He had had the idea for Captain Planet, a cartoon superhero to teach children about environmental issues, but needed Barbara to come up with the, you know, the actual character, their backstory, and their origin. Working with deep producers Phil Harnage and Nick Boxer, they created Captain Planet and the Planeteers, a series in which a group of five multinational, multi-ethnic kids are granted superpowers and the ability to summon the Earth's greatest champion himself, Captain Planet. At one point in development, it was suggested that Captain Planet be dropped from the show entirely, as having a superpower being solving the world's problems sort of broke the show's ESOP, which was that kids were responsible for saving the world themselves. Ultimately, this idea was dropped, and so as not to break the message, the show sort of adopted Captain Planet as a big brother figure, who would only be called when the kids most needed him, and who was often in need of being rescued himself. Thanks to the show's extensive marketing and cast of huge stars, Captain Planet and the Planeties was extremely successful. 
spawning a series of toys, comics and video games. Barbara Pyle negotiated that a percentage of all merchandising revenue would be given to the Captain Planet Foundation, which gave seed funding to schools and organisations to develop environmental projects. Production of the show was passed over to the turnaround Hanna-Barbera in 1993, from which point it was renamed The New Adventures of Captain Planet. The show ended in 1996 after six seasons. This isn't terrible. I mean, it probably would be if it hadn't been for the fact that this obviously has a far more lavish budget than everything else we've watched. I'm a bit conflicted. I would say it's pretty bad. Well... It's pretty bad. I, I disagree. It's I would... pretty bad. It, a lot of the cartoons we watch just outright don't work. This one just somewhat doesn't work. I mean, let's just get into what this cartoon is. Basically, uh, five kids who are imbued with the five um, elements, I guess, uh, of fire, earth, wind, water, and heart... Uh, go around the planet, saving the world from um, massively over-the-top supervillains uh, who cause environmental disasters. In each episode, they basically fight a villain. The villain gets the upper hand. They summon Captain Planet. Captain Planet fights for a while, but then gets covered with some kind of uh, pollution or rubbish or whatever, which means that the kids have to save Captain Planet before everything can be restored to normal kind of defeats the entire point of him huh yeah he's i mean i can completely agree with the writers he was completely superfluous to his own show Mm. um there didn't really do anything he's also called captain planet when the only planet he actually protects is earth yeah he's this he's the captain of this planet yeah but that's not what that name implies so he should be captain earth yeah ha yeah kind of except that we have an earth Based character who is Kwame. There's Earth the Planet and Earth the Element. Somehow Captain Ground isn't going to cut it. Captain Terror? Wait, no, that's a supervillain. <laughs> that's name. a supervillain. I mean, every episode's pretty simplistic. We saw. What did we see? We saw one where. Um, I can't even remember what the villains are called. One of them's called Slice Lodge. Ah, yeah. I don't um, know what the name of the one who was looking for oil from the first episode is called. Oh, um... Oh, fuck. It's it's something to do with pigs, I believe. Oh, Hoggish Greedily. That's it. Um, Basically, first episode, Hoggish Greedily basically pilots an at-at uh, that drills for oil in protected coastlines, and then they beat him up with the power of Captain Planet. Uh, We saw one in which um, Dr. Blight uses the power of her computer Mel uh, to hack into the Parks computers, uh, not Parks, the the government computers, just general government computers, to reclassify national parks as toxic waste dumps so that Sly Sludge can just dump toxic waste in national parks. And then they get beaten up with the power of Captain Planet. And uh, we saw one where Sly Sludge went to a town in France and 
sold them what is basically a grey goo that he had stolen from another scientist, and that turned into a blob that could potentially take over the entire world, and they beat it up with the powers of Captain Planet. Nothing says a great environmental Aesop like doing the story of a thing that doesn't actually exist yet. I think the threat was more... Uh, it was about relying upon technology to um, to save us instead of actually doing something ourselves, like recycle. Well, it was barely there, though. That's the thing. I think it was outright stated. It's just not very good at putting across those statements. For a pre- For such a preachy show... It's sometimes a little hard to read. See, this is what I mean about it being not that great. <laughs> I mean, it has a cast of reasonably well-designed characters, other than maybe the kids. Yeah, the kids are definitely the ones that got the short end of the stick here. I mean, if we describe the characters, we pretty much describe the entire show. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, let's do that, and then we can just call it a, call it a day. <laughs> okay, Captain Planet. What would you say about Captain Planet? Uh, he's a blue shiny fuckhead and he doesn't do anything. He's a deus ex machina with a green mullet. Yeah. And blue shiny skin. And blue shiny skin. Why is it so shiny? Uh, because... Why does he constantly look like he's being oiled up? Uh, because... Well, that's odd. Because, I mean, he's supposed to be designed to be kind of... Not the big muscly man that was popular in superhero comics at the time. Hmm. He's still uh, a cisgendered male, I guess. Oh. Is he cisgender? I mean, he's probably just. I mean, I mean, they probably never imagined was, anything other. Yeah, it's look, it's the it's the late eighties, early nineties. Don't give him too much credit. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, Gem and the Holograms almost had an agender character. Almost. Uh, they wouldn't, Christy. They wouldn't let Christy Marks do it though. And then, of course, you've got. Uh, Let's go with the kids. Kwame is LeVar Burton, who um, Kunta Kinte in Roots, and was and forever will be Lieutenant Commander Geordie LaForge in Star Trek TNG. Um, Kwame's likeable, but they don't use him enough. To be fair, like, the way the kids' powers are utilised in any episode are honestly not great. Well, the biggest problem is they constantly focus on the American Mm. I mean I guess it's for an American audience but the American is the least likeable of the kids. It's weird just how many of these stories focus around the hot-headed arsehole. Oh that's why they gave him power. Yeah I I mean the first time we see him, uh, some dude runs away from him in an alley because I presume he has a reputation for just beating up dudes in alleys (laughs) I mean, admittedly, he was rescuing some other dude, but he's at that point you're just basically Jimmy from Double Dragon. There isn't enough episodes that focus on the kids' own morals and them growing as a person. Ah, uh, I don't think there are because, because I mean the, the whole point is... is they have to fight um, environmental issues. Yeah, not... I mean the, one of the ones we saw sort of touched upon. Um, Joey, uh, sorry, not Joey Wheelers. Um, Joe, just interchangeable American names. Oh, that's literally his voice actor. Steve's <laughs> fucking... Uh, Wheeler's... Um, one of the ones we saw did touch upon Wheeler's kind of disdain for um, the rainforest. I guess. 
but I mean, he's just there to be kind of crabby and not kind of the worst character. They're never going to focus on any of the others' personal issues because the focus is on the environmental issues and the supervillains that are causing it. To be fair, I don't think the characters themselves are focused on enough because, I mean... Well, they're just stereotypes. That's well, I mean, it's, it's less that and it's more the fact that in the first episode, um, these fucking five random-ass kids are just pulled from where they live around the world into fucking, I don't know, New York where Gaia lives inexplicably underneath the sea, except it's not in the sea anymore, but it's in the sea in the first episode. I mean, I'm not even sure it's New York. It's hard to tell where Gaia's it underwater it, like, compound is supposed to be. It's, it's, I'm just pulling New York as a random fucking place name, but, like, they just she just randomly, like, pulls out these five kids from around the world, brings them to her. These kids apparently don't have parents or a family to look after because they are perfectly fine with this entire concept of having to stay with Gaia and sort out the world. And equally, they are just randomly given these rings and once told their mission, they're like, yeah, okay, that sounds all right. And instantly know how to do everything. They know how to utilize all of their powers. They know how to move a fucking spaceship about the place. Like, there is not enough spent on them learning what the fuck they're meant to be doing, they instantly already have the knowledge. Yeah, they're both just to be tokens, aren't they? They are, they're just... We need and these, yet they're the main characters. We need these people in this place, therefore, got them. There we go. It's just... It's another case of a cartoon where it's trying to constantly push this good message, but the actual good characters are these faceless, like boring characters and the villains are the really fun ones that actually have some substance to them yeah some actual characteristics other than maybe arsehole or girl yeah um so yeah wheeler's voiced by joey dedio um this is the biggest thing he ever did but we will hear him again as daniel larusso in deke's version of karate kid uh then there's is it g g uh I don't know. G is uh, voiced by the um, Japanese-American voice actor Janice Kawaii. Uh, I mean, what characteristic... She's probably the least used of the Planeteers. Yeah, she's very much a background character. She's just there. Yeah. What's her power, even? Is she water? She's water. She's water, yeah. We see her with Yangtze River Dolphins. Yeah. On the uh, in the first, the first episode. episode, and then that's the only time we ever see her use those powers. Yeah, and there are a whole bunch of times when water powers would be useful, but they use wind powers instead. Um, she's just not used. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, severely underused character. Um, she was also in the Karate Kid series because, let's face it, if you were going to put any voice actress from the time in the Karate Kid series, it would probably be her. But these days she's most known as uh, Jenny Wakeman from My Life as a Teenage Robot and... Oh, God. You're expecting <laughs> me to remember. Um, I don't remember. the. I'm assuming it was... Amy, but is it's uh, Amy and from I can't Amy the... from the Cartoon Network, the the well loved. I'm kidding. No one re- fucking remembers this show, but the fucking Hi Hi Puffy Amy Yumi, the Cartoon Network show about the Japanese rock band Puffy, a band which is barely popular in the states. <laughs> uh, 
that's a fun I'm oddity. not sure why that cartoon exists. Then you've got Linka, and she is just described as Soviet. Yeah. I think she's supposed to be Eastern European rather than Russian. But it's definitely a broad Russian uh, stereotype accent that they're going yeah. for. I, uh, from mm. what I gather, Linka is a Slavic mm. name rather than a Russian name. Mm. Um, yeah, she's putting on a pretty bad accent here, isn't she? Yeah, it's 90s. Uh, and basically, comedy evolving her <laughs> mostly revolves around everyone else not understanding her thick accent and use of occasional Russian and German words. I think, honestly, the best phrase that could sum up this entire show is just, it's 90s. Yeah, yeah, this does kind of, yeah. Dan, yeah, there's the colour scheme, there's the mullets, there's the racial and national stereotyping. Anyway, Linker is voiced by Kath Susie, uh, who was uh, Janine from The Real Ghostbusters. Sally Acorn from Sonic Satyam, Morgana from Darkwing Duck, Princess What's-Her-Name from Earthworm Jim, Phil and Lil from Rugrats, Kanga from Winnie the Pooh, Lita Halford, the sister of the Resistance leader, Lars Halford in Tim Schafer's Brutal Legend. Cassus is basically one of your uh, decent jobbers. I mean, let's face it, no job is going to be better than Jim fucking Cummings. Well, yeah. He's the, the almighty jobber. <laughs> Jim Cummings and... <laughs> well... <laughs> Shall well, we just is, kind of get to there him? There is, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Our boy has come up. He has stepped up to the charts once yeah. again. But next up, uh, Marty. Marty is definitely the most problematic character here. Yeah. Yeah. He is a stereotypical Southern American kid. Well, not only a typical... He's supposed to be Brazilian, of Brazilian descent, but he is not... <laughs> he is what I would describe as a colonialist idea of yeah. the Southern American tribesman. Yes. Yes, that's a very good way of putting it. I mean, it. I'm probably being unfair. They probably, knowing who created this, put more research into this than I did. But it still seems a bit rich that you are taking this young boy designed to look like kind of a tribesman uh, with a pet monkey and put him in directly against for what basically look like Americanized teenagers. And then you give him the power of telepathy to send, to communicate thoughts to other members of the planeteers. Yeah, that's, I mean, the, he... Look, that, that power is obviously the coolest one out of all of them, but put in the context of the character of Marty, it becomes even further problematic. That's... I mean... It's, well, not further problematic, thing. but just further stereotypical. Kind of... Hmm, I guess. Certainly there's a lot of tribal telepathy stereotypes going on in um, fantasy. Hmm. But here's the thing. A lot of people make fun of Heart in Captain Planet as being the most useless of the powers. It's not. It's the most useful. It's just not very televisual. Because mm. this dude can basically mind control people. I mean, what can Joey do? Joey can set things on fire. 
I'm Wheeler. not sure. <laughs> Just call him okay, Jerry. Okay, Je- who who is Jerry Wheeler? Jerry Wheeler is definitely Jerry a character. Jerry Wheeler is something. something. Hold on, I'm going to look up Jerry Wheeler. Because Joey Dedio playing Wheeler is confusing the hell out of me right now. Joey Wheeler. It's a fucking Yu-Gi-Oh character. <laughs> <laughs> it's the guy with the Brooklyn accent from Yu-Gi-Oh. The stereotypical American. <laughs> the stereotypical New York guy in the dub. I mean, how does the power of fire really go in with the environmentalism theme. Yeah, honestly, like, if you add fire to things, that's kind of just causing more issues. Fire is how you end up with acid rain. And pollution in general. And pollution, and global warming. And the destruction of the rainforest. Does that explain why Captain Planet foolishly sucked up all that poison... And evaporated it with the fire. Fact, the fact that his does power, the power set actually doesn't... Does the power, like, go with the personality? So, Captain Planet's, like, fire aspect was just Wheeler going, Yeah, now set that fucker on fire to get rid of it. Even though that's actually evaporating the poison and sending it up into the clouds. And then that's causing acid poison drink. Yeah. Ah. Um, uh, mm. Poisonous rain. That's going to become poisonous rain, whatever. Yeah. That's not going to work. Ah. Mm. But yeah, Marty has the power of heart, is a stereotypical tribesman, and is voiced by a white dude from California. Yep. Uh, specifically, Scott Menville, who is, bless him, mostly known as the voice of Robin from all the Teen Titans cartoons. Huh. Uh, well, that's a connection I wasn't expecting. Okay. But he also appeared as Skog in Make My Video, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> I do like that you you got that in there. I thought you'd appreciate that. It's a very good. Yeah, I do. Of course I appreciate a good reference to digital pictures. Uh, finally, of the good guys, uh, you have Gaia herself, who is just the spirit of Earth. Yeah. Um, she basically stands around being all mysterious and directing the kids. Yeah. Earth mom. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, literally. literally mother. mother Earth, yeah. Yeah, Earthmom. So, yeah, Earthmom, um, in one of the better bits of casting, Whippy Goldberg. Yes. Uh, perfect voice for this. Yes, very much so. Uh, but, yeah, Whippy Goldberg is famous for being Whoopi motherfucking Goldberg. Uh, I mean, she'd be the a... The woman, the legend. She'd be a big stand-up comedian at the time. Mm. Uh, but it would be a few years after... Um, be few years after the the color purple, and this was the same year as Ghost. Whoopi Goldberg was basically already big and about to blow up. God no! Don't blow up Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg. Kind of need her. And oh, one more, one more hero, Marty's monkey Sushi. Yeah. Or Suchi. 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 It would be Suchi. Is voiced by Frank Welker. There he is. Because Frank Welker voices There's all a... animals. Did you just call him Frank Wanker then? Uh, I didn't. I think I called him Frank Wolker. Oh, okay. Uh, Frank Welker's. If you the have, other legend. I mean, if you don't know who Frank Welker is, you know who Frank Welker is. You don't know who uh, Frank is. You've the... heard Frank Welker, but you don't know his yeah, name. Yeah, he's the voice of Fred in Scooby Doo. He's also the voice of literally any animal sound ever. Yeah. He's... You need an animal sound in your cartoon, he's your lad. Yeah. 
he will he is he is the voice actor most willing to come in the john st john of animals noises you know john st john will fucking voice act like act anything as long as you give him some money that's frank welker but for animal noises absolutely bless him um and then you've got the villains and if you thought having um a couple of uh, major stars in the heroes was odd the villains are mostly hollywood I mean, you've got Dr. Blight. Um, she's there. She's uh, a evil scientist with a cool uh, white bit of hair covering one of her eyes. Uh, she's there basically um, to represent unethical scientific uh, research. She's voiced by Meg Ryan. Um, and this isn't Meg Ryan just as she's coming up. This is Meg Ryan immediately after when Harry met Sally. I mean, she she only did it for a year, because I'm assuming she got far too big for the show in the into the intervening time, uh, and would be replaced by Mary Kay Bergman, mm. uh, who is the voice of Bimbette in Beauty and the Beast. Bimbette is the uh, the French maid duster, right? The feather duster. I don't know celebrities. And you haven't seen Beauty and the Beast? No, I haven't. Uh, well, you might also know her voice as she was practically every character in every female character in South Park until 1999. I never watched South Park. Oh, well done. Yeah, my mother, um, bless her heart, uh, made me avoid it. Well done, her. Yeah. Although the movie is excellent. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. Zarm, a character we didn't see, uh, is the spirit of war and destruction. And he represents War and Destruction. He is voiced by Sting. From of all the fucking people, Sting. Sting. I mean, Sting was trying to be a major actor at the time. He wasn't succeeding in being a major actor at the time, but that's the reason you got stuff like him being in David Lynch's version of Dune. Right. Um, oh dear, Sting. <laughs> he gets replaced in season three by David Warner who was a classically trained British actor. Uh, he was in Star Trek V, VI, and TNG as three entirely different characters. Uh, and then uh, he only lasted a season and would be replaced by Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> you don't know who Malcolm... Okay, uh, Malcolm McDowell, if you don't know, he was Alex in A Clockwork Orange. Ah, Okay, that's a fairly big role, yeah. And also Caligula in Caligula, one of the most infamous movies ever made. Right. And also Linderman from that one good season of Heroes. Right. Um, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Then there's Luton Plunder, uh, another one we didn't see. He's your evil businessman stereotype. If I remember correctly, he wears a purple business suit with a leopard skin... Uh, Trim. Why didn't we see this character? He sounds like the best character. I was looking for as many characters as possible, but there were just too many to see. He's voiced by James Coburn in seasons one to three. James Coburn was in both The Great Escape and The Magnificent Seven. How? How? How did they get these guys? Because Ted Turner had a lot of money and a lot of zeal for environmental issues. Oh. He gets replaced by in season four by Ed Gilbert, um, who was the voice of Baloo in Tailspin, and who we will later see as Emperor Gorgonus in Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills. Oh boy, that one. 
Um, and you've got Duke Nukem, who isn't the uh, <laughs> isn't no, the video no, game character. No bubblegum inside here, folks. But was but the um, reason tish. why the video game character was changed to Duke Nukem uh, in some printings of the game, of the original game. Uh, he's radioactive mutant, and of course, is about the the, the uh, his basis is the threat of radioactive nuclear waste. He's voiced by Dean Stockwell, who was L in Quantum Leap, and he re- gets replaced after three seasons by Maurice Lamarche, hey. who is of course Maurice Lamarche and is one of the biggest jobbers ever. Hey, I like Maurice Lamarche. Everyone likes Maurice Lamarche. He's good. <laughs> He's just a good voice actor. Yeah. He's there when you need him. I want him. a podcast with Maurice LaMarche and Jim Cummings and they just trade off doing oh their own voices. God, or I would love... If, look, if anyone a knows... A jobber-based podcast. If anyone knows any podcasts where the major jobbers just talk about jobs at each other, I would love to hear that. I would like just this kind of like tales from behind the recording booth or whatever and it's just them recounting just weird things that happened when they were brought in to do like a voice acting gig for one thing or something yeah just these weird stories of what they've been asked to do or yeah. terrible voice direction but yeah Verminous Scum huge humanoid mutant rat voiced by Jeff Goldblum phoning it in yeah really phoning it in <laughs> really phoning it in this is um, Jeffy before he became Jeffy uh, yeah, this is young Jeff Goldblum. Um, I mean, specifically four years after The Fly, three years before Jurassic Park. But uh, he's he's definitely not at that I-can-do-whatever-the-hell-I-like uh, point that we now think of Jeff Goldblum as now. Yeah. Uh, he gets replaced after three years, I think? I don't know, probably one season, actually. I think it's one season. I haven't written this down. Either way, he's also replaced by Maurice LaMarche. Yeah. Because when you have a Maurice LaMarche already... You may as well get him to do more. Yeah, especially if you're trying to replace celebrity voices. I mean, to be fair, I'm sure he doesn't mind. More money for him, you know. Yeah, Maurice... He's probably quite happy with that. When it comes to just imitating other voices, Maurice LaMarche is just exactly who you need. Yeah. Um, Hoggish, Hoggish Greedily, who we mentioned as being the uh, the oil baron guy, uh, voiced by Ed Asner, who, aside from being an actor since the fifties, uh, was and played Lou Grant in the Mary Tyler Moore show for several years. Uh, he's these days most known as being Carl Friedrichsen in Up, <sighs> that movie neither of us particularly like, but everyone else does. Yeah. I mean, we could go into why we don't like up at this point, because, I mean, it would take all of, what, like, five minutes to discuss why we don't like up, and yeah. it's entirely because of the to start be, of the yeah, movie. Yeah, to be fair, we neither of us got past the start. It's, it's not a great start. It's it's manipulative tearjerker, and it's very slow. It's just, oh, we're ten minutes in, we've just introduced this character. Hey, his wife's dead! Cry now, it's the crying part of the movie. So yeah, Sly Sludge, a waste-based supervillain, was initially voiced by Martin Sheen. (sighs) Who wasn't phoning it in. Martin Sheen was really identifiably Martin Sheen in that thing. Yeah. 
But uh, he only lasted one season and was replaced by Jim Cummings. Hey! Get the lads in. Go on. Finally, the weirdest one. This recording's so long. And it's just cast. Finally, the weirdest one, Mel, an evil AI, initially voiced by David Rappaport. Now, you won't know David Rappaport because he unfortunately um, died just as he was becoming famous. But he was one of Britain's best uh, dwarf actors. Um, I mean, he's most known for being in Time Bandits. And also, apparently, The Bride, a version of Frankenstein starring Sting. Hey, he's back. But he dies suddenly in 1990 where he is replaced by Tim freaking Curry. I mean, it's it's weird. When you're replacing celebrity voice actors with more celebrity voice actors. I mean, I get that Malcolm McDowell wasn't that big a get at the time, but he's still Malcolm McFreaking Dowell. Why wasn't Jim Cummings doing the voice of the computer in the first place? Because they, because they had a celebrity. Yeah, but I mean, Jim Cummings would have made a much better fit. Oh no, no. I'm sorry, but David Rappaport was... And whilst he wasn't a great fit, just the juxtaposition of David Rappaport's oh um oh <laughs> against everyone else's sort of overly serious uh, draw. Yeah, okay, fair point. It's just so wonderful. I mean, this would have been a better show either without the kids or without Captain Planet. Definitely without Captain Planet, because Captain Planet fucking sucks. Yeah, the way they designed Captain Planet, as much as I get that they were trying to uh, uh, stop the Aesop from being broken, it didn't really work. He's just useless. He's, I mean, he he comes off as just being this last-minute save that they pull out whenever they need it, and it kind of creates another Aesop of... If we fail, don't worry. We can just summon this magic man who will save us. How would you fix this? I mean, say say that Netflix gave you uh, an option for a 2018 reboot. Wasn't... I'm pretty sure... Oh, the, the, the Leonardo DiCaprio oh, wait. thing is... Oh, I'm thinking about the previous episode. No, my bad. Um... Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> the Knights yeah. of the Zodiac uh, yeah. anime. Yeah, no, sorry. I'm actually looking forward to that. Yeah, um... I mean, we've already discussed this. Remove, remove Captain Planet from the equation. I mean, do you? Yes. He was useless. What if you kind of combined Gaia and Captain Planet? So, oh, making Captain Planet the leader instead. Now that actually makes more sense. Yeah, and make... And that's actually kind of how I imagined it was in the first place Yeah, as it really well. should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, she's... Mother Nature is made pretty superfluous. If you actually gave Mother Nature the Captain Planet power and say that rather than um, rather than pollution or whatever is the reason she can't do it, maybe she can only utilise her power herself for a short amount of time or during specific... I don't know. The kids have to be doing something to summon her. I don't know. It's just... Anything but get the the goon with the mullet out of it. I mean, if she was still voiced by Whoopi Goldberg, that would be even better. I would have a superhero thing where Whoopi Goldberg is kind of the team leader and potential could to be uh, summoned, but 
Can it be literally just Whoopi Goldberg? I mean, at this Can point... we just put Whoopi Goldberg in a nice dress and have her be the team leader? Make it... Oh my god, are we talking live action or everything Can we have is live cartoon action? except Whoopi Goldberg? Yes. <laughs> I just want a live action Whoopi Goldberg. Just this weird FMV Whoopi Goldberg yes. in the middle of this cartoon. Yes. I'm full for it. I mean, um, she obviously can't have a worse costuming decision than the ones made in Theodore Rex. So, <laughs> I'm sure she'd be up for it. So, we come to ranking this thing. I would say that this is slightly above average. So well, we I mean, that's, that's, the, area. that's the weird thing. Is it's, um, I started at the bottom. Of our DNQ list. Okay. And so there's like obvious, there's an obvious subset of uh, numbers on the list where it's just like, okay, no, it's obviously going to be better than this. So like, you know, super duper sumos, hey, Vernon, it's that stuff. And then it comes to a point of every single like uh, title that I see after it, uh, above in the list rather, is perfectly mediocre. To the point that it's on par with Captain Planet. Yeah. So I get to the point of Alf the Animated Series. And Alf the Animated Series is this show where it could be good, but it didn't quite put in enough effort to do yeah. that. So I was like, okay, so that's how about on par with Captain Planet. What's above it? Heathcliff. Okay, well, you know what? It's better than Heathcliff. What's above that? Dinosaurs. Ah. <laughs> Super Mario Show. Kid Video. Captain N, Carmen Sandiego, Alienators. <laughs> it's just kind of like, on par, on par, on par, on par, on par, on par. And then we get to a point of Stargate Infinity. Now, Stargate Infinity was a bit naff. I'm going to be brutally honest. I mean, they were... this is the problem. Deke makes the same show over and over again. <laughs> they have a certain um, level of quality that they tend to hit. Yeah. But are we saying it's... A little better than Stargate Infinity. I I am I'm inclined to say that it is better than Stargate Infinity because okay. I mean we only really enjoyed the one episode of Stargate Infinity. <laughs> I'm not sure way. how it fucking placed so high on the ranking board overall. Yeah. What's above Stargate Infinity? Sabrina the Animated Series, which Oh yeah, I'm, this isn't as good yeah, as Sabrina I'm, the Animated I'm Series. Unwilling to go past Sabrina the Animated Series, honestly. Okay, I think we found so, our uh, Yeah space. And at number twelve is Captain Planet. Because I want to go lie down and play some video games and Mark wants to go off and shower, here is pre-recorded Avery taking us out. So that's just about it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, then give us a little rating on iTunes if you use it. Tell your friends. Do a little subscribe if you're not done already. And be sure to check out our other stuff on MostlyCobalts.com. That's MostlyCobalts.com. Thanks, pre-recorded Avery. Next week, sports. Sports.